That was quick and punchy, to the point. Um, oh, and I'm giving a little bit. There we go. Thank you, Matt. Oh, can we just give a big round of applause to the tech team? They. We have all of our kit back, and it's just lovely to, yeah, feel like we're getting back to, to normal um, in our new normal home. Uh, yes, I'm Sam, and tonight we are starting a brand new series looking at the story of justice, because the world will tell us all these different stories of what justice and progress should look like. So depending on what social media you follow, depending on who you talk to, what podcasts you listen to, what uh, news you watch, you'll get a different story of what, uh, of what progress, change, um, what the good future justice should look like. And I don't know about you, sometimes as a Christian, it can feel a little bit like, where am I meant to, to fall here? Which one is true? Which one lines up with what God says our world should look like going forward? Sometimes even, I don't know about you, but it can feel like, does my faith really have anything to say to this? It, it feels like maybe 30, 40 years ago, um, the Christian ideas had a good uh, moral standing in society. It, it made a difference now. Sometimes it feels more like the story we have to tell is a barrier to justice. But I don't think that's true. I believe that the Bible is the story of justice. From beginning to end is a story that tells us what justice looks like. And so actually, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to go literally from beginning to end throughout the whole Bible and ask the question, what does it tell us justice, change, hope? looks like for our world. And that's a lot to cover. I get it. Anyone read the Bible? It's a really big book, right? There's a lot to it. So um, we're going to do things a little bit differently because three weeks isn't long to cover a lot of Bible. So um, we're going to slightly change things up. And on Sundays, we're just going to teach the Bible for half an hour, um, which might sound, don't we, don't we always do that? You'd hope so. But normally we would also do some like application stuff. So um, we teach a bit of the Bible. Here's what it says. And then here's what it means means for your life. We're actually going to leave that second half to your midweek groups, to your hubs. So for half an hour, we're going to walk through the Bible, and it's going to be really fun, guys. Trust me, you look very sad right now. It's going to be great. The Bible's wicked. Um, but we're going to leave that application stuff, that wrestling with what does that mean for my life, to our midweek groups, our hubs. So if you're not in one, um, then find someone in a blue t-shirt, and they will help you get connected. But we're going to start right at the very beginning of the Bible this week. It makes sense to start at the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. So I want to ask the question, what should justice look like? If we're all asking the question, we want to progress to something, we want to move towards something, we want to see our world change to something, well, what exactly are we looking to? What should that look like? And everyone will tell you a different answer of what good positive change looks like. But the Bible gives us a really clear template. Because it tells us that when God created the world, he created a perfect world. That was, there was no justice, no suffering, no pain, no inequality. He created the Garden of Eden and gave us a template to look at and to learn from to say, here's what we should be aiming for. Here's what we should be moving towards. How do we move back to something of what God created us for? So 
right at the beginning. Here we go. Genesis 1, it says this. We're just going to read one verse from the middle of um, this kind of creation poem that we see in the first chapter of the Bible. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. One verse, okay? And one verse that in this, I believe, there are three absolutely world-changing, groundbreaking ideas for what justice and progress should look like in our world. And they're kind of hidden in there. So the first one is this. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. First of all, it kind of sounds like bad grammar. It sounds like... um, I don't know, yeah, it's, imagine if I was in Big Asda doing my weekly shop um, and you see me there, I'm on my own, no one to talk to, I'm stood in the pastor aisle and I say, yes, let us make spaghetti bolognese tonight for dinner. Uh, you would look at it and say, yes, yes, let us have a bottle of red as well, we've earned it after all. Said, yes, and let us get some pudding too because we went to the gym this morning. You would think I was a bit of a nutter, right? This is um, weird. God almost sounds like, who's the guy in um, Lord of the Rings? Um, Gollum. Gollum. God sounds a bit like Gollum here, right? Let us make mankind in our image. It, it's a weird start to what is meant to be a groundbreaking idea for, for the Bible and what, what justice should look like. But it's not a grammatical mistake. It's actually an incredible theological point. Because the Bible tells us that before the universe was created, before me and you were created, it wasn't, God and his, it wasn't just one God. It is just one God. This is confusing. But it's God the Father God, the Son, Jesus, and God, the Holy Spirit. That before the the universe was created, there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit lived in perfect relationship, in perfect community. That the Father loved the Son, and the Son loved the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loved the Father. And it was out of this community of love, out of this relationship, that they said to each other, let us make mankind in our image. As an act of love, let us make mankind in our image. You see, God is community. God in his very being is relationship and he created us to be in relationship with him. He created us to experience something of that relationship that has existed between Father, Son and Holy Spirit in all time. And so the first, there's like three conditions, right, that this passage can tell us for what justice looks like here on earth. And the first one is this. Justice looks like right relationship with God. The Bible tells us that Adam walked through the garden in the cool of the day with God, like such close relationship that Adam existed in, in this loving relationship with God that he was created to be in. And so the truth is for us that justice has to look like relationship with God. And this is why one of the many reasons it's so important that as a church, we don't sit on the sideline and say, we used to be the justice guys, we're not the justice guys anymore. We're the shout at you on the street guys. We're the, you know, we don't do justice anymore. We have to be right there at the very forefront of what it looks like to see change in our world because 
True justice cannot come unless it comes with relationship with God. It's what we were created to do. It's the first condition for justice here on earth is relationship with God. Okay, that's point number one. The second thing that we see in this passage here is it says this, Then God said, let us, and we'll get the next slide up, make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. So if, um, if we said that there is no God, there's nothing behind all of this, to be blunt, humans are just lumps of flesh and blood and bones that just happened to get here by chance. I know it's not very nice to think about, but if there's nothing behind it, we just so happened by ju- just pure chance to arrive at this very moment. That means that when after the service, you go and get a coffee and a donut and you talk to someone, and I don't want to put this in your mind because it might make your coffee after church weird, but you're basically talking to a lump of flesh and blood and bones. And it's pretty weird. There's nothing deeper behind it. There's nothing, there's nothing more to it than just animals kind of just happened to, to be here by pure chance. It just worked out this way. Actually, the Bible tells us that God created mankind in his image. That when God created humanity, he did so in a way that's different from, from everything else. He, he put within us something of, of his glory, something of the divine is in us. We reflect God. He made us in such a way that, that we, for some reason, in our weird little ways, reflect the beauty of God. We reflect the divinity of God, which means, actually, when you go and get your donut or your cupcake or whatever it is this week after church, you're looking and talking to someone else, not just a, a sack of blood and bones and nerves, but a reflection of the divine. When you turn to your partner and say, you look divine. Or you are divine, in fact, because it's more than looking. (laughs) You are divine. You guys are all divine. Metro, you are divine. I know for some of you guys, that was just the moment you were waiting for tonight. (laughs) You thought, maybe if I sit next to the right person. Um, But here's the point, right? The second condition for us to live and see justice in our world today. What we learn from the Garden of Eden is that it has to look like relationship with one another. When God created the world, it wasn't enough just for Adam to be there with God. He needed Eve alongside him because we're created to be in relationship. We're created to to pull out the divine in one another, to encourage each other to reflect God's image together. And so justice has to look like relationship. We can't do it from a distance. It has to be in relationship with one another. Okay, you with me? Point number one, justice has to look like a relationship with God. Point number two, just has to look like relationships with one another. Point number three, we get as we read on. Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So this verse um, has been used against me in the past, believe it or not. Um, When I was, uh, a few years ago, before it was cool to be a vegetarian and a Christian, which I know now is the height of cool, um, (laughs) someone said to me, they uh, they found out I was a vegetarian, and they said, but don't you know in Genesis it says we're meant to rule over the animals, to dominate them? Um, And it was kind of put to me as this idea that this this is a can't blanche for us as humans 
humans to do whatever we want, to, to act however we want with creation. We have a right to rule over the world. So if we want to frack for oil, we can frack for oil until we can frack no more. We can do whatever we want. But actually, what the Bible teaches here is that God has made us to rule over the world, not as a right, as a way of oppressing nature, but as a responsibility to say it is your responsibility to live in harmony with nature, to live in this symbiotic relationship, in a closeness with nature, to steward what he has given us. And so the third key uh, condition we need to see justice here today is relationship with nature. Relationship with God, relationship with one another, relationship with nature. These are the conditions that existed in the perfect, unjust Garden of Eden, where there was no pain and no suffering. And actually, um, the Jewish people, they have a word that sums up all of this. So if you didn't take in any of what I just said, it's gone over your head. You've got a cheat word now. You can just say, it's all summed up by this word, shalom. Everyone say shalom. Shalom. Anyone know what shalom means? Oscar's hitting me with peace, and that is very close, Oscar. Half a point. So peace, it, it, peace is kind of um, what, it, what it means, but it, it's so much more than that. See, shalom is, is this word that sums everything up, and it says this, that justice and well-being and wholeness and peace comes from our right relationships that we experience that sense of shalom, that sense of something being right, that sense of everything just as, as we were made to be, that, that experience that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden, it comes from our relationships being right. That when we're our relationship with God and with one another and with our environment is right, we experience shalom. So the best way I can describe this to you is I'm going to have to paint a, a mental picture for you. So I'm going to take you back to my holiday a few, a few six weeks ago in Italy, okay? You might want to close your eyes, I don't know, whatever floats your boat. Imagine this, okay? You've had a lovely day in the sun, walking around um, the market town, Perugia. It's about 7.30 evening, but the sun's still warm. The pizza oven is on. You've got an Aperol spritz or whatever. Your drink of choice is in your hand. And you have all of your, your f family, or if you prefer, friends, around you and you're looking out over the Umbrian countryside and you know that moment on holiday, you know that moment when it's just like, oh, everything, this moment, everything just feels right. Why can't it always be like this? You know that, do you ever have that when you just like take a little lean back in your chair for a minute and just observe and just think, wow, this was the way it was meant to be. This is what, this is what it's all about. That feeling right there. That is shalom. That feeling of things being just as they should be. And it comes from our relationships being right. Who here would like a bit more shalom? A bit more shalom. That should be most hands. Shalom for everyone. If you don't want shalom, I haven't sold it. We should be shaloming until we shouldn't can shalom no more. But the question is, right, if this is such a good thing, if this was the way we were created to be, if this is what the Garden of Eden says justice looks like, why don't we experience it today? Because life today, it feels a little less 
like shalom, a bit more like wars, a bit more like inequality, a bit more like a cost of living crisis that makes it hard just to keep your head above water. Why aren't we experiencing this? And there are a whole bunch of different reasons. There's a whole bunch of different um, things that, that have conspired to make it harder and harder for us to see justice that looks like shalom today. But there's one that I just want to hone in on because I think it's so important for us in Bristol in 2022. It's one thing that um, is kind of become our, our dominant cultural idea that... For some of us, we think it's the way towards justice, but honestly, I think it's one of the key things that holds us back. And it's this idea of individualism. So individualism, you might, we've talked about it a bit at Metro, you might call it meism. It's this idea that the way that we find um, justice, hope, peace, happiness, is if everybody just concentrates on fulfilling their wants, desires, needs, preferences. Individualism says that you have an innate right to do whatever it takes to experience all the things that in your heart you want to experience just for yourself. That you should be whoever you want to be, that you can um, do whatever you want to do. And there's been a shift in our, our world that's, say 40 years ago, we, we viewed life a bit more um, through the, you know, if you asked what is right and wrong, you view that a bit more through the collective lens of the we. So if someone asked you, what do you want to do when you grow up? And your dad's a shoemaker, your granddad's a shoemaker, and you think, that's a good income, and I need to look after my family in the future, and I know it will, it will make my school proud if I go and be a good shoemaker. You would say, actually, yeah, the right thing, the good thing, the proper thing for me to do now would be to go and cobble like I've never cobbled before. I'm going to become the best shoemaker because that is what the collective, that's what is best for us. Whereas today, if someone said to you, what are you going to be? No one's saying a shoemaker. We're, everyone, you know, what do you want to be? Well, I was born to dance. I want to dance. Or I want to be a YouTuber. I want to, I want to fly around the world. Or I want to earn as much money as I possibly can. I want to buy a nice flat on, on the harbour side that overlooks it and it's all lovely. These are the things that, that today, actually, we would say, yeah, you go for that. That's good. You, you do that. If that's what you feel, if that's what's in your heart, if that's what's true to you, then you go after that. You should be who you want to be. And there's some really good stuff to individualism. There's this idea that um, for, for minority groups in particular, it's a loud expression of identity in a way that just wasn't allowed before. It's allowed us to value each individual um, more and closer to the way that God values each individual and how we're all made differently. There's some good stuff to it, but here is the problem. It gives us a totally different definition of what justice looks like for us today. See, justice, according to individualism, comes from the individual being true to themselves. We will only see justice, individualism tells us, when we're all true to ourselves. When we all live out our truth and we all experience all the things that we want to experience, we'll see justice when each person has the freedom to, be, um, to do everything that they want to do. And this is a totally different idea of where justice comes from. 
Shalom tells us, the Bible tells us in, in the Garden of Eden that justice, shalom, comes from our relationships being right. Individualism tells us that justice comes from me, myself, and I being right and being true to myself. And I don't know, you might think, actually, this sounds really good, and I'm, I'm just here to try and say what I think the Bible speaks into this. Because actually, I look around at culture, and I'm not so sure if it is taking us to the promised land. I'm not so sure if um, a society that says, as an individual, you should just earn as much money as you possibly can because it'll all trickle down anyway, is really what God's best is for us. When we have inequality like never before, when we have a cost of living crisis, I know many people here in this church, you are feeling the pinch of right now. And you might be looking around at church community saying, where is my justice? Do any of the other individuals here care that I'm really, really struggling? Individuals and elders, we find justice, we just pursue your own personal happiness. Prioritize your own happiness because you can't help others, but help yourself. But then we have loneliness, and therefore we have a mental health crisis. We have uh, all the stats and figures that we see today about and the emotional toll they're taking on us. Yeah, we see the play out and agony puzzle this question of ourselves between individualism versus shalom, between finding peace and just in myself versus competing just in my relationship. Sadly to have the question um, posed the right by a saint. themselves. 
and then this working of the relationship between them and the world around them. This is a the detail of Eden. And it says in the Bible that they toiled for the rest of their life, almost in opposition to, uh, to try and survive, whereas a fool and live in perfect harmony with creation. So the question is, what do we do? And how, how can we live a different story? What is the story the Bible tells us about this? It can look different to just saying, I want to live for myself and my preferences. Well, there's two metaphors. And we're coming in land of the two metaphors that the Bible used to describe the creation of the world. The first is of an architect building a house. And the second one that I want to focus on is. Um, it says that God is like um, someone who takes different threats and weaves them together until he comes. So it says that God took the threat of the sea and the earth and the stars and the sky and he wove them together to make a garment. That is the metaphor he used for creating the world. One of the things that really helpful in Shafar because we have choice where all these individual threats you have let God weave your life into the fabric that He's making. Believe it, let God weave your life into your entire up and down, over and under, poor and vulnerable. Believe that your life, you sacrifice some of our own personal gain. You turn away from saying it's all about just doing what I want to do and instead say, okay, God, I trust you. Weave me in with the poor and the vulnerable. Let my life be more weaved in with the natural world. Let me walk in step with nature rather than just doing my own thing. We did that actually with um, a little kid who could have said, we have our own house and it's very lovely and we I've been there 
one story that I think just sums it up um, really amazingly. It's this island in, uh, in the area of Martha's Vineyard. Have you ever heard of Martha's Vineyard? I haven't before. It's lovely. No one's heard of Martha's Vineyard. Go back, go right back, and I'll have heard of it. So, it's currently very, um, very confident. So, no doubt. Um, there's a lot and originally, when they were collapsed, people were in the tent. And a lot of people went having the death. And because this is an island, there was no agricultural mobility. Um, the way populated, a lot of that population didn't leave and became more and more of the population um, came deaf. Until at one point, um, 25% of one town were deaf. Which is kind of fascinating, very, very uh, interesting. So, a researcher went there quite a long ago to find out how to town. And he asked, how did you get, how do you live? Or did, did the people get rid of it? Yeah. 
Christian. Where am I not bringing shalom? Where am I living for myself? What do I need to lay down? Let's take a moment together. Yeah, for some of us here, there's just um, immediately God's been putting sank in your head and you try to think about something else because it's a little uncomfortable. Um, but that thought keeps on coming back and I, I just think for a few of us, that's God pressing in on something. If, um, if, that's, if that's you, if you feel like there's something specific that you're like, yeah, I just need to make a change there. Could you just put your hand up so that we can, can pray for you just as a sign of saying, yeah, thank you. Just as a sign of saying, yeah, I wanna, um, I wanna commit to this. Yeah, just keep your hands up if that's you, just so we can see, thank you. Yeah, and for all of us, God, we just say, we wanna lay down our own preferences, our own ways of doing things for the sake of seeing your kingdom come here in Bristol. For the sake of seeing your justice come here in Bristol. Amen.